Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to this very special edition of the Square Ball Podcast, uh, brought to you with Levi Solicitors, who will offer you a 10% discount on your legal fees. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball to take advantage of that. Dan, Michael's here, and so is Moscow. As we do this oh, transfer deadline day special, uh, wrapping up all the incomings, the outgoings mm-hmm. from Ellen Road. Could be a short show. Yeah, we didn't feel the need to come in and do it last night live, did we? Because... Uh... Yeah, we kind of knew this was happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't know. We we felt it unlikely that anyone would be signed. I mean, the first item on our notes here is a picture of uh, Tumbleweed tumbling across a road somewhere in uh, in America by the looks of it. Mm. Did you put that on there, Michael? I put that on there, yes, mm. in the absence of any news. It could be Sheffield if that's taken from the infamous Def Leppard movie. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah, you, you have shown us that before. They film uh, the, uh, the M1 and it looks... Quite a lot, like surprisingly, like um, the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> I want my mum, as he says on it. It's good. Mm. What is it you're referring to there? Just so we don't sound like we're making. It this was up. a VH1, I think, did like a, a movie version of the Def Leppard story, and it opens with uh, the drummer, whose name I regretfully can't remember, but he lost his arm in an arm crash, and they recreate an arm crash, an arm crash. <laughs> In a car crash, and they recreate that with, they've put some signs up to try and persuade you that it's the M1, so there's like a, a blue sign. London, this way. Um, yeah, pointing to Sheffield or Barnsley or wherever, but it's quite clearly just a road in California, for yeah. example. Um, it's like driving a Mustang or something, which is obviously the, the, the go-to car in Sheffield. Yeah, exactly. Well, he was a rock star, you yeah. know. Ah, it was point. a Corvette C4. Actually. There you go, you see. Uh, but yes, it was on a country road near Sheffield. Yes, and it does not look like a country road near Sheffield. Welcome to the transfer <laughs> podcast. And yes, so to, to complete what Michael was saying, that they show him um, staggering about with his arm chopped off and people approach him and say, God, are you all right? And he just goes, I want me, mum. <laughs> and there we are. That wraps up the transfer deadline day but special. It didn't hold, I mean, we talk about the injury crisis at Leeds. It did not prevent him from going on to be continue being a very successful drummer in a, a big rock act and um, and did Def Leppard try and recruit someone else because their drummer had one arm they nope, did not they, they stuck did. with him yep they waited until he could learn uh, to play uh, just as well with his uh, his feet and his one arm and you can find if you ever watch um, obviously Race for the Title Leeds 1989-90 very famous video about a promotion from Division 2 
Sheffield United came up with us that season. If you watch their version, they have the singer from Def Leppard doing some of the, the chit-chat between games. Okay. I feel like we've gone a little bit off-piste with the transfer chat. So let's... Let's talk about Matteo Fernandez. Well, mm. he's he is the only in during this window. Uh, I guess let's talk about him. Let's push him a little bit further down the agenda and just, well, how are you feeling about it? Let's examine that. Because I'm, I don't know what I think really. I've got really mixed feelings in that to return to a theme that we've spoken about loads, Moscow, the aim over these two seasons is to stay up for two seasons. And I think I looked at the odds of this and we're about 89% likely to stay up based on the current situation. So I get that, but that doesn't kind of factor in real world circumstances, does it? And I can't help feeling about this window that's just been a total letdown. And I know that my opinion of that is coloured by the Newcastle result as well. I'm fully aware of that. Yeah, the Newcastle result has changed things for me. I'd have been relatively calm about us not signing anyone. And I think it's it's one of those things as well that you always get a, the old fear of missing out. When you see other people making signings, it does inevitably make you think, mm, we, I wouldn't have minded a bit of Donny van der Beek or whatever. Like the, when you see good players sloshing about the place, not that I particularly want any of them. And like you look at the, the deal they've done for Deli Alley, and I kind of think that has got him playing 19 games and then not being able to ever play football again written all over it because they'll get to that point and be like, I don't really want to pay money for him doing now, Jesus. So I think there's probably been some quite bad business done, but it's just, it just feels like we're short and I am, I am concerned. I still maintain, I think we'll probably be okay, but I feel like we're probably making life a bit difficult for ourselves. And it's an acceptance, I think, isn't it, that this is just a season we now need to get to the end of. I think if you spoke to the people inside the club, they would say exactly the same thing. It's not been much fun, this, for anyone concerned. And I realise this compounds it. I also realise and I understand their reasons for not recruiting somebody, but we also can't escape the fact that we've been crying out for a midfielder for a, a couple of years and they've still not managed to do it. So where are you on it? The Aronson move in midfield is quite interesting. Now it's fallen through. Because that's the, the big obvious gap is that we've been trying to sign a midfielder in the last three windows now. We've not done it. But when Conor Gallagher didn't happen in the summer, and then we would, and that was only ever going to be one year because Chelsea wouldn't countenance him staying any longer. There was never an option. And then we wouldn't pay over the odds for Lewis O'Brien. We would only go to a certain amount and then no more. And I wondered then whether the decision was, well, we'll wait until next summer. We think we've got enough to stay in the Premier League because we finished ninth with the squad we've got. We'll get to next summer and go big on a player that we really want rather than go for a second or third choice now. And with Brendan Aronson not happening in January, but them being confident of getting in, in the summer, I'm now starting to think he was always a summer 2022 signing that we tried in January because we're short and at the bottom of the table to do earlier. And that kind of puts a different slant on what we've been trying to do. That there isn't, I think that's where um, Leeds seem kind of, as a club, seem out of kilter with what a lot of the fans are stressing about is that they're very calm and they just thought well if we can get a player that we want for next summer sooner great we can't fine and it's it, it is out of step with how much um worry and concern there does seem to be about but then i wonder um to what extent the january transfer window should be treated as a pr exercise from that point of view that is it you, you know do we have to sign players so people feel better or do we stick to what the plan was i look at it um in a way that I think's probably been best framed by Phil Hay, who's done the article on The Athletic on Tuesday morning, where basically he's saying the system, the method, the setup has been 
stress tested this season and hasn't stood up to the stress test. And I think it's fair to say that the, that the model, if that's what you want to call it, has been pushed to its absolute limits and beyond this season. Well, failing the stress test, we'll only know that if we get relegated. Because yeah. that's failure. Yeah. And if we'd stay up, they've done what they set out to do. So it's struggled, certainly. But I don't know. Everyone, a lot of the the word that keeps getting used is that Leeds are gambling with their Premier League status by not signing somebody. But then, you know, you mentioned uh, Van der Beek and Deli Ali going to Everton and, then, you know, they've just sacked a Champions League winning man- manager and brought in an utter doofus <laughs> and then just bought those two in on the last day of the window or brought them once on loan, but paying huge wages. I'm fairly sure they're both earning more than Pat Bamford, who is our top earner at the moment. That, to me, is a gamble, just as much as not signing anybody is a gamble. Newcastle have signed however many players they've signed. They've signed like half a team, half of whom were not their first choice players that they went for, some of which they didn't get anybody in those positions whatsoever. That is also a gamble. I think maybe people would feel better if they lost the idea that signing players guarantees anything, because it doesn't. We're still, everybody is still in the the same situation they were before. Just some people now have to try and, well, Newcastle have got like six players will be living out of hotel rooms and suitcases trying to get used to playing with the other five idiots that are still in the team that got them to the bottom of the table. So I don't know. There is still a lot of work for Newcastle to do to make the business they've done successful. Same at Everton. Norwich haven't bothered. Watford are just absolutely mad. Um, (laughs) So... We're not the only club gambling. It's just we've gone for a gamble that doesn't bring any new players in. The the counter-argument to that, though, is that if you see any transfer purely, and there is risk attached to any transfer, of course there is. There's also risk in not doing it, as you said. Um, But if you assess it purely in terms of risk, then the argument says that you would never sign anybody ever again because there's risk attached to any signing. But is it riskier, like you say, to to not do anything or is it riskier to, to try rolling the dice and I think we've probably fallen on the side of we need to roll the dice at this point. But I also kind of admire the, the pig-headedness that has got us to the point where we say uh, we don't need to. Pig-headedness is a little bit unfair. Well, it's well, confidence it, is yeah, a the, positive way of putting it. There is, it. but I think there's also dogma. There's, there's Bielsa's dogma attached to this. And I think what I was going to ask was, do you think that part of the issue and the fear and the anxiety that has come up this time is because... We've seen Bielsa's method stress tested. That's the, the phrase that I keep coming back to in my head. It's been stress tested this year with injuries or whatever else. And it's probably just coming up a bit short. And that's what I think everyone's worried about is that we've had nothing but forward travel. The direction of travel has always been forward under Bielsa. And it's hard to deny that we've gone backwards this year. And I think that's where a lot of the fear is rooted in that Bielsa's method might not work. And I think it terrifies us to think that that's the case. It's hard to know where we are with it all because it could be that this is this is absolutely as bad as it ever gets for us and there are no more injuries and Bamford comes back strong and Phillips is back. You know, this talk, he might be back kind of very soon, you know, within within the next couple of games. So he comes back, Forshaw's actually not that not that badly injured. Furpo comes back on the left and all of a sudden things start looking fine and you think, well, yeah, it would have been a waste of money to sign, you know, Harry Winks on loan, someone who we're clearly not that asked about but was available. It's just that thing, but what if, it's, what if this isn't as bad as it gets? What if... In a couple of games' time, we are starting in the midfield is Robin Cock, Bate, Tyler Roberts with Rodrigo, 
you know, as playing behind the striker and you start thinking, well, there's, there's not actually any real experienced midfielders in here. The whole, the whole thing is kind of, it is all dropping apart and we need just someone who knows the position would have been an improvement. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a funny tweet um, today from Tommy underscore LUFC who's he's tweeted at Phil Hay saying, just imagine if we'd nabbed Winks and Van Der Beek, our midfield would have been click for sure, Calvin. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the other side of this, and it's where pig-headed and dogma feel a little bit negative. Yeah, pig-headed was too, it's too too emotive. I didn't yeah. mean it in that sense. I, just like, I meant dogmatic. That, even that, it seems, I think it's more, you can look at it as a, a statement of confidence in the players we have. And that's the difference with, um, I think Everton, when he turns up, when Frank Lampard turns up, and looks at the midfielders they've got, basically, without even watching them in training, he's gone, I hate them, I want other players, just get rid of those. But they're going to be there for the next six months. Whereas Leeds, what's happened now is we've gone with the squad we've got and said, we've believed in you to get us this far, and we believe in you to solve the rest of the season. Circling the wagons then, basically. Yeah, there's a big, there's a, it's a big statement of confidence in the squad we've got, the players we've got, and I think that has a value. Whereas if you'd brought in Harry Winks and suddenly you've got people standing around who haven't been there for the, the journey to this point, it's not just about bodies and statistics and attributes. There is kind of a morale and a, um, a what's the words, like a team ethic, a- ethic yeah. idea. I don't mean ethic, but like... I know a, what you mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the way it's, that they feel about things counts as well. And, it's, a, it's a very tight circle at Leeds, isn't yeah. it? That's the thing. And Adam yeah. Forshaw was saying this week, he doesn't know if he'd been injured for this long at another club, if they would have just told him to get lost and join it. And kind of the, the faith that we have in the squad we've got should, it mean something. It's not a meaningless thing. People might think it's a bit kind of, a bit of an airy idea that doesn't amount to anything. You know, it's, it's not reality, but the way that the players feel is important and don't think any of them can doubt that Marcelo Bielsa, who is the best coach any of them have ever had and probably will ever have, believes in them to stay in the Premier League this season. And that's got value. If we're going to point the finger at the club for anything, it's not necessarily for this window, it's for the previous two summer windows, because we're accepting as part of this. Everyone always says January is a bad, bad time to do business. You don't get any time to bed people in pre-season. You tend to be polite, buying players either over the odds or people like Deli Alley who are out of favour of the clubs and won't be fit. So that's fine if you already had enough midfielders in the squad. But yeah. the, the fact is we've wanted a midfielder for two years. That's and, exactly what I mean about the system. So, the system means stretched to its limits. Yeah, and so that is the failing here. Yeah. And it's very well saying, oh, we'll get Aronson in summer. But maybe we don't get Aronson in summer. Maybe we, maybe we have another season of no central midfielders. Now, I, I'm pretty sure we will eventually sort out this central midfield problem. But it, I mean, that is, that is where things have gone wrong. To, to look back at previous Januaries as well, you do realise that to an extent, it is about how people feel, isn't it? Because we signed, remember we signed John Kevin Augusta and everyone went, ah, good, a striker. Here's the, here, here he is on YouTube. Looks good, doesn't he? Scoring goals in at a decent level. Played with Mbappe, all that sort of stuff. He's going to be fine. As it was, did nothing. Like, li- literally had zero impact. It's hard to think of a player who, who could have done less. And likewise, Kiko, when he came in, everyone was a bit kind of accepting that Peacock Farrell wasn't quite good enough. This guy, Real Madrid, everything should be great. As it was, he's kind of central to our demise in the playoffs, and we could have probably got by with Bailey Peacock Farrell in the end. It would have probably mm. made actually very little difference to that season. But at the time, it made people happy 
for a bit. But that's what buying things does, kids. Yeah. Don't buy things to make yourself happy. This is consumerism in, exactly. yeah, writ large, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that Amazon package arrives, you, you're good for a minute, and then you're like, ah. Uh, it and then it settles in, it becomes normal. You want another Amazon package, don't you? Exactly. Uh, I think keeping that sense of proportion I wanted an Amazon helps. package. <laughs> um, because the, the midfield gap is the one that is glaringly obvious because we also know that they've been trying to fill it. Cuisance was in the building. Gallagher, O'Brien and now Aronson. We know that they are aware of it. But it, it, it does get blown up a little bit to something more than it is because... If everybody was fit, we have Click, Dallas, Phillips, who is, you know, a Champions League level, England international, um, for sure, Shackleton, we've bought bait. Am I forgetting anybody? Did you say Click? Yeah. I can't remember. Click first. And they, and I, I saw someone saying that, you know, all this should have been sorted out years ago. Two years ago, we were winning the championship for two years and we romped it by 10 points. There wasn't a problem. And then we got into the, the Premier League, and we got to ninth with that group of players. So the midfield hasn't been short of numbers, hasn't been short of quality, short of ability to get us to where we want to be, but it needs another one to take us forward. Yeah. And that's why... Well, we lost, we lost Pablo. That was the, the, the big mm. thing for me, and he was... But he didn't the, do anything last season. No, no, but a lot of the time he was he was carrying the sort of inspirational angle of the team, wasn't he, particularly in the promotion season. And yeah, he was underused maybe he underperformed in his final year whatever for whatever well, reason old. yeah for whatever reason he, he just he wasn't there but he was still an option where you know that if you put Pablo Hernandez in there he's going to be competent and mm. do a job he's not going to come in and look completely out of his depth but without him we got to ninth so mm. there's there's enough resources there that the midfield at Leeds United is not a disaster zone and also yeah I was forgetting Robin Cock can come in there and was signed with an eye on he can do both and Pascal Stroik has also shown he's capable in midfield there are options there if we're down to it so, and what's interesting again about Aronson is that when he does prop up and they say, this is the player that we're interested in, he looks absolutely perfect. And it's sometimes used against Leeds that they're waiting, they, they only want this perfect player. But then you look at Brendan Aronson and everything that he can supposedly bring, I think, yeah, he would absolutely be the perfect player. 21, all those pressing stats, his, uh, his potential, his ability. No his end product, he'll, now. he'll fit in perfectly. <laughs> exactly, but, um, <laughs> but he, you see then... Like, wow, if we got him, that would be incredible. And you you get a glimmer then of what's actually on the list of players that they might be waiting for as part of a longer-term strategy, whereas Harry Winks, even Deli Ali, who they've signed, evident have signed permanently but aren't going to pay for this season, found a beak on loan, all very short-termy things that is the normal thing that, that clubs do. And even... I think um, I've not looked at the full age range of the players that Newcastle have signed and I know their owners will find a way of getting around financial fair play in the long run but they have just blown a big chunk of money on players who if they want to end up winning the league and challenging Manchester City will not be good enough. So that's a big short term splurge to get them through six months that probably because of the position that they're in might not even work anyway. The gamble there I think Newcastle are gambling and likely and have a big a bigger likelihood of losing them than we do. Mm. So it's it's very I understand the the tension and I would have been delighted for Brendan Aronson to turn up. I'm outwardly calm but inwardly frantic that we don't have a better backup goalkeeper. But still think we will be okay and the progress or the promises that have been made were two seasons we will finish in the Premier League and stay there. Season three 
onwards is the beginning of progress towards being a European qualifying team with a 50, 60, 70, however many Angus is pulling out of his ears this week, capacity stadium being planned for and, and getting built. So that all starts after May 2022. So if we get to May 2022 in the Premier League, then it's kind of like, right, step back. And then I'm like, right, now you need to impress me. But at the moment, as long as we achieve what we set out to do, um, and maybe we'll look back at last season one day and go, wow, that was, that was good. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think another one of the attritional factors is probably how the 23s have been used. And we saw Angus Kinnear's program notes, uh, Newcastle game, wasn't it? Where he's saying we don't want to block pathways for the 23s. We've used them more than ever this season in that, you know, Bielsa's given a record number of debuts to the 23s, and yet they still feel slightly underutilised when it's really counted. Like, for example, the perfect example, is, and because it's most recent in the mind, is that Gelhart didn't come off the bench against Newcastle. Yes, he did. No, I mean, when Roberts came on. Yeah, he came second. Yeah. But oh, he didn't, or he didn't start when, yeah. we, when we didn't have any strikers, yeah. he didn't, so and we didn't have any midfielders, and Bates still didn't yeah. get a game. And... So people hold that up as the example of, well, yeah. we're not using the 23s, there's not the pathway there, and, and then look, look, Drame don't want to be here because he's 23 and he wants to go play football and now we've seen Somerville that's come up most recently. So I think it's not a huge problem, but that's just one of the things that feeds into it that it's been a grind this time because some of the narrative that's coming out isn't matched by the real world examples. And I think that annoys people a little bit or at least feeds the anxiety. I think it's a misunderstanding because I don't think Bielsa's concept of using youth has ever been about giving 18-year-olds 15 games in the Premier League. The difference is other Premier League clubs in the Premier League can have a 25-player squad and then supplement that by using eligible under-23s. Leeds, Bielsa goes with 18 players in his squad and supplements the 18 with eligible players from the under-23s. So if he can name a first team from his 18-player first-team squad, he'll use them because they are his best players. Whether Whatever you think of Tyler Roberts or 
um, whoever else, they are in the first team squad. So they will always take precedence. The difference is we don't have seven 26-year-old Lewis Bakers hanging around the place who they fulfill the job that our under-23s do where they come in as substitutes and they come in to cover an injury when they can't get enough players from the first 18 and they do a game, they do a half and then they disappear again and they're all on 70 grand a week and they're all just dwindling away to nothing. We use Stuart McKinstry for that and it's fine and it doesn't mean that Stuart McKinstry is going to get... Um, 25 games in the Premier League or 10 games in the Premier League, but it does mean that he will get an opportunity that other players at other clubs do not get to be on the pitch in the Premier League at all. And the other aspect to it as well, which is where the the small squad fits in as well, is if we have 18 in the first team squad, we literally do not have enough players to play 11 aside murder ball in training. So there are always four under 23s at least playing. And if you take um, Bielsa's average, he says, across the Premier League, you can expect four players to be injured at any one time. It's between four and eight under-23s in first-team training every day, every week. And Luke Ayling has talked about it, that the opportunity that some of those kids are getting to learn to be coached by Marcelo Bielsa has an incredible value. And he wishes, he was at the Arsenal Academy and he wishes this had been his opportunity. He never got a game for Arsenal. If he'd have been at, uh, well, actually, no, he did play Champions League, didn't he? But he loves to tell people. But if he'd have been at Leeds instead of Arsenal under Bielsa, he would have been training with the first team every single day. He would have been on the bench for the Premier League games. When there was an opportunity for the the first 18 or so, there was a gap there, he would have come on the pitch. He wouldn't have got the run of 20 games unless he turns into something incredible at that point. But he would have got experiences that you don't get at other clubs. So that's, I think, expecting... Um, a player like Cody Drama. And Somerville, you know, Somerville's position is probably above his actual ability at the moment, where we have Rafinha is obviously the first choice winger. Then there's Jackie Harrison, Dan James, Somerville. So he's really close. And all he needs, what's made him, kept him out of the team, is that Rafinha hasn't got injured. Now, I don't know if we're supposed to drop Rafinha to give him more time, but he is in a position where he's, the, he's you know, if we swap, if we start with two of them, Dan James replaces Harrison halfway through a game, then the other option is Somerville. And he is closer to the first team in that sense than probably any other teenager in his position could hope to be. So I think it's um, expectations are kind of outstripping whatever Bielsa has ever promised to do with the under-23s and what they're getting out of being at Leeds is actually great for them. And again, when you're dealing with such a small squad when you have even just two who are not that sold on the method in the form of Drame, and if we had to believe the stories, then Somerville wants to go play football or maybe go back to Europe or whatever it might be. It then creates a, it's an even bigger stress on the on the squad and the method, isn't it? What do you reckon to the, the Drame and Somerville situations? I can see the frustration, truthfully, in that Somerville looks brilliant every time I see him for the under-23s, and I think there are lots of teams who would be happy to give him game time now. It just it essentially comes down to whether or not he agrees that playing under 23s football and doing murder ball is as beneficial to him as going out and getting games somewhere. And I can I can sort of see why you would think it isn't, because in terms of you you actually progressing your career, no one is no one else is seeing you play well in murder ball, are they? So if you if you're looking for if you're looking for to get game time somewhere and you can see it's not happening at Leeds, I guess you do need to force it somewhere. And and for drama, you know, he's had to he's seen the right back spot open up 
and not be put into it like earlier in the season when Shackleton was there and imagine you, you could argue he's not looked ready for it either well no he's not mm, that's, no. I mean that's the thing with with drama I, when I saw him in the under 23s I thought it looked really good when he's coming to the first team he's been kind of alright apart from against Arsenal when he had quite a, a terrible game to be honest he got um, that first half in particular he was completely taken apart by um, Martinelli, Martinelli wasn't, wasn't yeah. on the left so I don't see how he could really have the strop after that game truthfully he can't if he says that he wants to play first team football, be also could just put in the video. So, do you want to watch the first half of the Arsenal game and have this conversation again? Because it doesn't look like you're quite ready for it based on that. But I can, I can see the frustration. The other aspect in pure numbers is Somerville has played in five games, not a lot of minutes. He's got mm-hmm. about a, um, a game and a half worth of minutes. But we've had 21 games this season. He's played. He has appeared in five of them, which for somebody who turned 20. 94 days ago. You can tell I've got stats website open. <laughs> That's not bad to have, to have appeared in the Premier League five times at that age. Isn't terrible. Cody Drama has got um, three appearances and one star and he's even younger, 20 years and 55 days. And for his, you know, for the performances that we've seen from him, I don't know how much more Cody Drama can reasonably expect. And it is, the, you know, the reason... Shackleton will get to right back before him or will move Dallas there before him. Is that for, there is a player available in the first 18 and when that can't be done, that's when Cody Drama gets his chance and it's a clear chance and it's a chance that, again, I don't think, you know, who's who's going to be the midfielders at Everton who are looking at Deli Alley and Van Der Beek coming in and just think, well, I'll just fucking I'll just pack up for six months. I'm not going to be playing the rest of this season because there's already the players in the first team as well. It's, uh, it's understanding, I think, that our under-23s are a group of about how many are there, like 15 doing the job of the seven who sit around at other Premier League clubs doing sod all so they get the chances that those players would get if we spent whatever it takes to bump our squad up to 25 just to fill the room well we'll wrap it up in a minute but um, before we do first of all just a summary on on where you think we are and then we will look at the bids from West Ham apparently for for Calvin and and, uh, Rafinha Personally, on the where we are thing, the sensible part of my brain knows that this will be judged in the summer, depending on where this season finishes and the business that they do in the summer. And set against the backdrop of the shares, 56-44, something there, I just want something to move on that. I don't know why. I don't do you want it to go back to 60-40? Mm, maybe give some back. Some, I don't know. Some, it, just, it feels like we're midway through... a. Uh, I don't know if, if turning oil, an oil tank is the right phrase, but it feels like we're, we're performing a very slow manoeuvre towards eventual takeover by the 49ers. I'm not entirely convinced that the, the gradual creep of shares is necessarily beneficial to everyone. But, you know, again, we'll see how it plays out. What about you? I'm a bit nervous, is the best way of, of putting it. We're, we're basically a couple of quick wins away from me feeling fine. If we go and beat Villa and Everton, it's basically fine. I think in the yeah. same way as if we'd beaten Newcastle, this would more or less feel all right still because there'd be enough of a gap. But we've, you know, we've won how many? We've won five all season. Yeah, it is worrying. But then again, you, but only, do, you, only, you only need to win about nine to stay. But up. I do think <laughs> we will just about be all right. I just wish we were making it easier for ourselves. Mm. It feels like we've. It feels like we're almost doing this to prove a point somehow. It feels like a weird. That's what I was talking about, about the, about the pig-headedness and the dogma kind yeah, of. Angle in, of it. Yeah, in, in the same way as it sometimes feels when you look at Bielsa's selection in that. It, the fact he wants to play people in weird positions, you're like, just play, just play yeah. a striker as a striker. You don't have to do this. I know you think Dan James can do it, and maybe you can in time, but like for now, could you just could you just play Gelhart as a striker because he's he's quite good. We're playing Newcastle, they're shit. Come on, let's just 
let's just have the right do, the, do the obvious thing let's do the obvious thing yeah. for once and it, it feels like we we're trying to make things difficult for ourselves as a sport at some point <laughs> it's like oh we can we'll do this with we'll do this playing snooker left-handed is what it is a bit like we're showing off but it's it's got it, but, it's kind of risky yeah without the luxury of being in a position to show off yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah i think when you've got bielsa that's just what you're gonna get and i think it's probably why you want him or don't want him maybe the it is preferable to just have Frank Lampard who just goes, sign me two midfielders. Yeah, it is, that's it is the telling difference. that Lampard has come in and instantly committed him to like about a quarter of a million pounds a week in mm. wages. It's like the first thing he needs, just throw money at the problem. Oh, what, what's the worst that could happen? We wouldn't be here if Bielsa hadn't come in. I mean, everything he's done in his career, but even at Leeds, coming in and looking at Heckingbottom's squad and going, fine. Like nobody else would do that. It's a completely stupid move. Um, and counterintuitive and a crazy idea, but we wouldn't have had the last three years of some of the most exciting, thrilling football I've ever seen as a Leeds fan. And then being back to ninth in the Premier League after 16 years of being outside it, if he hadn't gone. I mean, you know, when Thomas Christensen had Calvin Phillips, he was playing him at attacking midfield behind the strikers and it takes Bielsa to go. And we all, people wanted him sold and Vieira kept and Bielsa's the one to go, no, he's a he's gonna play as a central DM and I'll I'll transform him. It's him doing all that, it almost feels a little bit it's ungracious to then say, now things have got a little bit difficult, mm-hmm. sign a striker, go and get a go and get Donny van der Beek, stop messing about, stop trying to be clever. All those um, maverick moves were basically fine when we were winning. Like yeah. Baradi at centre back, everyone was like, "Bloody hell!" Yeah, Luke Ayling at centre back. Yeah, and then and lots of but stuff. It Stuart Dallas playing everywhere, it, mm. and it's all been all that part, that mad journey. And that, I think that's where I'm. I know your nerves are right because it is nervous and we're not safe, but that's sort of interesting. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of the big worries about Daniel Danger Chapman. <laughs> one of the big worries about being in the Premier League is well, we'll just finish mid-table every year and there'll be nothing to play for at least you know this year it's going to be an interesting rest of the season yeah but um, not in an interesting nice way but I want it, I want it to feel nice Moscow. didn't you don't you remember us staying up at Arsenal on the last day Viduka's goal what a great moment and probably one of the best moments of because O'Leary's team didn't win anything I feel like this is a difficult sell this one Moscow <laughs> no everybody <laughs> looks back at that game and it was probably one of the the biggest celebrations of the the glory years was avoiding relegation by was it the final day? I think there was maybe there was a, a week to go, wasn't it? Last, I think. Yeah, you know. So you take um, you take what glory you can get right. in football. And this is glory, is it? <laughs> Flirting <laughs> with relegation, not, yeah. Not sold. Anyway, well, it will be great. Imagine. Think of the day we when try, we, we seal, try and not win for like ten games, make it really exciting. <laughs> think of the day when we seal um, our Premier League status, and it should be a party. I remember that, that just reminds me of when I think it was in the car with you, Moscow, when we were still recording these at Radio Air. And it was when things were going a bit wrong under Bielsa in the promotion season. And someone suggested we should lose games so then we could build our momentum back up. Or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was like, somebody called like, in Radio Leeds, didn't they? That's not how you build momentum, isn't yeah. losing games. No. But like yeah. you need to lose some and then then start winning them again. Yeah, we heard that in the car on the way over, didn't we? We were like, what? Yeah. Anyway, just, let's just laugh finally at the West Ham bids for Calvin and Rafinha, um, which seems like nothing more than a PR exercise by their directors to appease their fans. Weird. Is it to appease our fans too? Did, was it like a mutually beneficial thing? They were like, you make these bids, we can then reject them. Well, the conspiracy theorists among us, which is not people in this room, I don't think, would suggest that this was cooked up by former West Ham exec Angus Kinnear 
uh, in a back room at the London Stadium a couple of weeks ago. Well, if you put a bid in and we'll reject it and then we all look good. So, I mean, we know that Angus does listen. So, Angus, if you could let us know whether that was something you did, we will report back. I mean, it might be. There might well be a, a Salzburg podcast where people are going, well, he's putting £15 million in for Aronson. Obviously, we're not going to sell him for that. In the same way as we're going, obviously, you're not going to get Rafinha for £50 million. And they'd be thinking like, you know, it's worth at least 30 And they might be having exactly those same thoughts. But yeah, mm. it did seem that they've offered well under market value for our best players, which, you know, if, if, all, if all of a sudden we were willing to entertain bids of £50 million for Rafinha, I'm sure there would be another half a dozen clubs coming straight yeah. in for him at that price. The stories don't really line up as well because Leeds are saying that there was never a bid, but there was a like an informal chat. And so it could well have been at the game yeah, where, yeah. you know, Karen Brady says, Angus, Angus me all maca, air match. And he says, you can't have him. And that's fine. And then somebody has then decided to tell the press about that um, at a later date because Leeds are saying it was like a couple of weeks ago that there was an informal inquiry. So it's more, in, it, it, there is some interest in who decided to put that out there. But given that the story was bids and Leeds version of events is no bids, it feels like the story came from elsewhere than Leeds it's somebody else trying to stir the pot and um, and West Ham's version of events is that they'll be back in for Calvin and Rafinha in the summer final point then before we sign off score the transfer window this one just gone out of 10 I'm going to say for me it's a probably a 4.5 how can it be any, any more than zero we've not done anything you I mean poor old Bobby we, I, Campbell. Suppose, I suppose we've not we've not sold anyone good have we nobody wants to hear that no they don't that's, but, uh, that's an even worse. Everybody sell. hates that. That's an I even mean, worse. If, if we're going out of ten, I guess I guess you've got to give a few marks for that. Berardi yeah. got a club. That's not strictly scoring our transfer window. Well, I didn't say ours, just did I? That's uh, oh, okay. As long as the Swiss um, prince is happy, etc. Yeah, we I mean we've overlooked Bobby Cameron and Josh Galloway going out on loan, and Matteo Fernandez. Yeah. Yes, could be the one to keep the under twenty threes up. Yeah, which um, does allow Joffy to be more involved. He doesn't have to worry about the under twenty threes anymore. It can be pure. First team, so maybe Gelhart is like a new signing. Mm. I think the crack in my voice maybe indicates the faith I have in that idea. And Pat Bamford's coming back, another new signing. Yes. Class when um, he does return. Go on, what are you scoring out of 10 then, Michael, finally? Zero. And <laughs> Moscow. Yeah, it's a big fat zero, but I think we'll be fine anyway. Actually, no, I'm not going to say zero. I'm going to say better than Burnley, better than Brentford. Burnley has signed a giant. What more yeah, only because they, they sold a giant. He's bigger, this guy, six foot eight. He's also not vaccinated, so he's no. more fragile. <laughs> Sean Dyche has gone onto the old filters and just gone for order by height. It's got him. Fine. Yeah. It might be good. I've no idea. I've never seen him play. I won't pretend to have. And I think long term, we'll do better than Newcastle in the rest of the season. I was going to say long term, I think Newcastle will do better than us because they'll, they'll probably continue to spend <laughs> well, uh, £200 million every transfer window for about the next 10 years. I hope that uh, I hope Chris Wood is like an albatross around their necks for the next five years. <laughs> I don't know what contract they gave him, but I hope he's still there just taking every penny he can of their blood money. Everton, laughable. I really, so, I really hope Everton go down, I have to say. I, yeah. I, do, I tend to actually really like him as a club. I, I, think, I see sort of some similarities with us in Everton. Like historically, we kind of occupy a similar space in my mind. But yeah, because they've now got Lampard and spent a load of money, I hope they go down because it'd be funny. And sorry, Adam Pope. Yeah, sorry, Pope. Mm. <laughs> He'll still get to watch Premier League football at least, though, aren't he? <laughs> this is true. This so, is true. So, uh, so yeah. Not zero. What are you scoring it then? I'm going to give it two. <laughs> and right. it's because, but I feel purely... like I've been, I've been overly generous with my 4.5 now. Yeah. Yeah, you have. Right. Nobody is 
satisfied by the window, but then we get into the whole concept of can you be satisfied by a transfer window anyway? Because you could we could assign 10 players and then they all turned out to be garbage. We won't know until May. Yeah, in fact, zero is probably harsh because if we'd spent 20 million quid on Harry Winks, I'd probably be scoring it as like minus something. So I'll, right. let's go for two. Should we go for a consensus of two then? Let's go yeah. two out of 10. Two out of 10. Well done, Leeds United. Well done. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.